0: Welcome to another episode of Lead Me where we help you take the next steps in leadership. As the world seems becoming increasingly polarized, finding leaders who can lead with vision, intellect, and unity seem few and far between. In today's episode of Lead Me, Pastor Eric and Zach will discuss and answer questions like how can a leader build trust in a culture that lacks trust? What insight can be shared about leading in environments with diverse perspectives and agendas? And what advice can be given to leaders that are just starting out on their leadership journey? Awesome. All right. So uh, today we're going to be talking about um, another speaker that... Uh, the GLS head last year. So his name is A.R. Bernard. So he, according to his profile, he's the founder, um, president, and senior pastor of uh, the Christian Cultural Center, uh, Center. So it's a church uh, out of New York. Um, and I really liked the speaker. It was more so, uh, if you ever get to attend like one of the GLS um, events, they have like two different types of... Um, Of how they like talk to speakers so they'll either have like a speaker come up and talk you know and just present what they're wanting to say right what uh you know their topic and their speech and the other portion is more like an interview so it's kind of like this where they have someone facilitate the interview and ask questions of the person or speaker and uh, A.R. Bernard's uh, segment was actually an uh, uh, interview segment. So that was really, uh, really nice. And they talked, the primary talk was about building bridges and creating, um, creating those places of common ground mm-hmm. where you could finally kind of use that. Uh, to as leverage right to to get the conversation started
1: yeah i thought that was you know i didn't know that was kind of a sit-down interview you do such a good job writing these notes (laughs) i really do appreciate it because i thought it was really interesting as far as him being from new york being a pastor and him looking into ways to build connections like with city officials Mm -hmm. to just building people in his culture you know to have that mindset that how can we reach out? You know, because a lot of times, for especially us churches, we tend to look inward, mm-hmm. and we need to look out because there might be opportunities for ministry, right? Mm-hmm. So, trying
0: to find that common ground, right? You know. Well, and uh, really, the big uh, the big takeaway to like a uh, kind of takeaway from this discussion and uh, what uh, I came away, what I walked away with uh, after this um, after his talk was this idea that we have such diversity, right? There's so much diversity in our environment and like, how do we navigate that? You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of um, divisive issues that polarize us to either way. And we've lost, I feel like we've kind of like lost this ability to have the conversation yeah. and uh, kind of separate ourselves, uh, separate ourselves from our views. Right. It's like, well, if, I don't agree with you, then, you know, we can't be friends or we can't talk to each other. And so that's where this really comes into play, that building bridges. Yeah,
1: trying to find that little bit mm-hmm. of common ground, right? Mm-hmm. To try to find that area where, you know, you can have a conversation exactly. with somebody and build off
0: from there, right? Right, absolutely. And so he started He started his segment off with this quote. and I, I thought it was really, really powerful, but it's... Uh, it's something that Albert Einstein uh, said. And so I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim so I don't mess it up. But uh, the quote is, you can't solve a problem at the same level that it was created. You have to rise above it to the next level. And the context behind that is, is that the very nature of problem solving forces you. So just engaging with a problem forces you to go to the next level just by engaging it. And yeah. I think that's... Uh, that's powerful because uh, in order to engage with a problem, you have to take responsibility or you have to take ownership of that specific situation, that specific problem and say, I'm going to deal with that little piece of like my little piece of the pie, but I'm going to take ownership of that. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to find common ground, to be a solution um, to the problem. So I I thought that was, that was, uh, that was interesting because, you know, we talk about like, higher quality problems or, uh, you know, like really being intentional with the grind in our past conversations. So I felt yeah. like that really plugged in or like really connected.
1: No, I totally agree. I think that anytime we engage problems, mm-hmm. uh, it, there's a chance and opportunity for us to grow. Right. And it right. increases our potential, mm-hmm. uh, because it puts us in situations where we're going to grow at a rapid, more rapid pace. Uh-huh. Uh, I think a lot of times people are afraid of problems and try to run away from them, right? Mm -hmm. But when we look at issues, uh, I think it's easy to kind of run away from the culture today Uh instead of maybe maybe we could be the answer to the culture. Maybe we could help the culture in some way instead of trying to pull back or run away from it. Right.
0: Well, and, like, I don't know about you, but, like, for me personally, I feel like I tend to use... to kind of use that as a crutch almost, you know? It's like, I'm not even going to touch that subject because I know it's divisive. So I know, I kind of generally know where people, like, um, stand on the, uh, on a particular topic. And it's like, I just, like, I don't want to even go there, you know, because yeah. I feel like it takes up a lot of energy. But, well, like, owning the problem, you know, it's like, all right, how can, like, let, let's let's kind of delve into this and then use the leadership that we've, like the leadership skills that we've been learning, you know, whether that's through Christ. You know, ultimately, as you mentioned before, like prior to this podcast, Christ is the ultimate leader, right? Yeah. And so it's like, how can we use those, like the knowledge and the skills that he has given us as Christians to well, shed light into if that? If
1: I could add to you know? a, a maybe a perspective that sometimes we Christians sometimes get confused my words don't matter as sometimes mm-hmm. my actions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we'll want to do the quick, I'll post a Facebook message right. or I'll post my opinion here so that everybody will know my opinion. Well, uh-huh. why isn't your actions speak mm-hmm. loud enough to those people? And, and the problem with social media times, if you're not building real relationships with people, then they're just basing an opinion on you. They mm-hmm. don't really know you. Right. If you get ingrained with them, if you get around people that are different than you a little mm-hmm. bit, it gives you an opportunity for them to really see the real mm-hmm. you, not just take a, a quote or opinion of you uh-huh. or a snapshot of who you are, but to really get ingrained in your life and then and you as well. If you open yourself up to other people, mm-hmm. they can see. And, and that's really to me where, where Jesus talks about being the light and the soul of the earth. It's for us to, to be ingrained in, in the community and in, in right. the culture in some mm-hmm. way to, to let that be seen. Mm-hmm. Not that we change, but we change the, you know, right. we change the culture through Christ, you know. Absolutely.
0: It's Him through us, right? Yeah. So,
1: And it's really building those relationships, kind of like you know, he talks about building the bridge. It's us uh-huh. building those relationships mm-hmm. first. That that's, That is almost more important. We've even talked about today in staff, you know, about how important, yeah. you know, trust and building the relationships mm-hmm. are, uh, with gaining people in mm-hmm. the church to make them feel comfortable. Well, in the same way, you know, if we can build people's trust in us mm-hmm. to know that we care about them and we value them first mm-hmm. and foremost, before we even really speak about our beliefs or about what we think, right. Uh, then they're going to be more
0: receptive to what we think. Right. Absolutely. and, like, why do you think building bridges is so important? Um,
1: well, you know, uh,
0: one is it kind of
1: just that, uh, you know, analogy or that imagery that you see in a bridge itself. Mm-hmm. It's taking uh, two areas that are separated and are uh-huh. have this big gulf of a river or a valley or whatever you want to say. But, you know, building that bridge, it's, that valley doesn't have to be there, right? right. That, that, that river doesn't have to be the thing that stops you from mm-hmm. having a connection with the other side, and I think that's,
0: uh, you know, to me that's kind of the analogy of that. Right. And you know. I think it's a neat, a uh, little bit of a sidetrack, but uh, I like how Porterfield's logo is, you know, has the bridge. You know, it's creating that connection. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that that's the one thing that this church really does. So, uh, one of many things that this church does so well, like in this community, is like really effectively building those bridges between people
1: yeah and we want to do that more i think we're just tipping the uh touching the iceberg or tip of the iceberg <laughs> right if you want to say uh to to make that become more mm-hmm. you know? and i think naturally most people want to do that but they feel there's just too much of a gap right mm-hmm. but like you said when you really look at the problem and start thinking about how you can maybe potentially solve it that increases your mm-hmm. capacity and, and it's right. all we go back to building teams right And uh, finding others that you can
0: uh, go with you Mm -hmm. and that it's not just you alone. Right. And I think that's really important because uh, that's what uh, A.R. Bernard also mentioned um, when he was posed the exact same question. And uh, he really said that, you know, it's really crucial to find those those areas of common ground and to bridge kind of like the divides because, you know, we are social beings, you know, or we, we are meant to live in community. And when we find ourselves being separated apart, um, you know, we lose that connection. And also, you know, we could only go so far alone, right? You know, um, as leaders, um, you know, you could only go so far. Like, if you don't have a team, you're not gonna get pretty. You're not gonna get far down the road. You need like everyone's perspectives. You need the team uh, to help build whatever that vision is. Uh, that yeah, I've been everyone uh, has of the future. I've thought
1: about that today too. That um, am I more important than the team? Mm-hmm. The team is really more important than an individual, right? right. You know, it's 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 building a culture where. It is that focus to where it's not one person just making all the decisions. right I mean, yeah, a leader sometimes needs us to make the final call maybe mm-hmm. on something. But if you can get more of a team around you uh-huh. to make those decisions, then there's more unity in that. There's more power in that. Uh, there's more you know just positivity in that too right to make every everybody feel like they've been heard, they've been able to state their case. Mm-hmm. And then to make that decision together as a team, too, even if you disagree with the decision made, you still feel loyal and you feel like the team um, is receptive to what you have to bring Mm -hmm. to the table. You know what I mean? Like you can get behind it because you support the team. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I I think that, you know, as I think about a bridge, too, I think about having the different, you know, pieces that Mm -hmm. you put together to make a bridge. I mean, like you go back to physics class trying to (laughs) use the toothpicks and everything. But you need all these pieces in the right, right frame and the right way to, to build that bridge.
0: You know? Right. You have to have the right elements. Otherwise, yeah. it falls apart.
1: And like you said, too, about uh, finding a, an element and being this a leadership podcast, leadership is a great avenue for us to uh, use as a common ground. Because right. in, in my view, leadership is something that transfers to so many other applications I mean, you need leadership in whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And so if we can grow as leaders, and uh, that could be a common ground in your business or your organization, uh, that they could get by or or get their head around talking about leadership points and leadership growth. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're taking Christ with you in that— It doesn't mean you always have to or may always have the opportunity to share your faith, but they'll Mm -hmm. see the character of who you are. Right. And they'll start wondering and asking questions about how you got there. Right. And that leads to the door for you to offer the opportunity for you to share about who Christ is, you know, at that point. That's phenomenal.
0: I love that perspective. That's powerful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So A.R. Bernard kind of like he wraps this initial segment up by just stating something that I thought was really profound but he said agreement is a place of power and disagreement is this place of power powerlessness and it's interesting because as you see like groups of uh, communities and you could see like when they're in agreement like so much stuff gets done and then when there's disagreement or uh, you know you have this dissension you know it's like people feel powerless, you yeah. know? And uh, I think that kind of harkens back to what you know Jesus said as far as like a divided house cannot stand. Yeah. And, but, yeah, so, um, with that being said, he uh, segues into this uh, section of like, how do you, you know, we know that building bridges is important, but how do we, how do we start? Like, how do we start building that bridge? You know, like, what type of materials do we use, you know, um, metaphorically speaking? But, um, he starts off with attitude determines approach yeah. and approach determines success or failure. And I like that. That was huge. Can you just read that one more time because I think yeah. it, maybe I kind of I want people to hear that part. Absolutely. So it says attitude determines approach and approach determines success or failure yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. You yeah, know, it is. when you really
1: break it down, that, that our you know, and and we know that our attitude mm-hmm. changes a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> when you know, when you go in with a bad attitude, how it's going to you know, typically it's going to result in 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 bad things. I mean, thankfully we see God work in people's lives, like Jonah. That even if you have a bad attitude, God can right. work beyond that. But generally speaking, most of the time when we carry our bad attitude. Into into a certain situation, it ends up bad, right? Mm-hmm. But if we had a positive out approach, if we thought that, hey, you know, there's a, it goes back to having that personal vision and or a, pers- a personal mission statement, and having a vision mm-hmm. personally that kind of carries out to say, how am I going to live my day? How mm-hmm. am I going to approach the world? You right.
0: know, uh, you know, if you have a positive outlook on that, it just carries over. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, that's, that's so powerful because, you know, it's one of those things, it's a choice that we have, and... It leads into. I mean, it snowballs, right? The bad attitude snowballs, and yeah. a good attitude also snowballs. But sometimes I feel like bad attitude, like a bad attitude, snowballs a lot faster. Right. <laughs> you know, well, it, it quickly it, gets away from you.
1: And I've seen this in youth groups and stuff. One one person with a bad attitude mm-hmm. can just ruin the whole thing. You know, <laughs> it just it just affects. It's like an infection going through the. You know, like somebody doesn't like a certain game, and uh-huh. everybody complains about it, and then nobody's wanting to play the game or whatever you do. Um, You know, and and I think that it can be happening in the work environment Uh as well. You know, you have one person that kind of, but having that positive attitude to look at it as an opportunity, uh, Mm -hmm. to look at problems as opportunities, kind of like Uh what we've been talking about. Uh, To see this as, uh, I think, as Christians, we're bringing the hope of Mm -hmm. the gospel to the world, and we should think of it as an opportunity. You know, like I have an opportunity that I have an audience. uh, You know, like pastor Adam doing the chaplaincy program or when we have opportunities to serve in our communities, Uh it's an opportunity uh, to make a difference. And don't, don't negate what, you know, maybe you think in your eyes it's small or it's Mm -hmm. not significant and you never know, you never Uh know what that may
0: potentially lead to something else. Right. And it also goes back to like what uh, Jesus says, right? Like be, um, you know, be diligent for the small things yeah. because it that, opens the door for bigger things to happen. It
1: does. And, you know, if we're faithful with those little things, mm-hmm. he's more gracious and willing to give us bigger things. Right. You <laughs> know? But to me, it's always about the little things, right? Mm-hmm. It's always about those little uh-huh. things that we do behind the scenes. Yep. Um, I'll never forget one teen in my ministry uh, did something to help somebody else out. They didn't have a partner to play a game, and they were willing to sacrifice their yeah. friendships and hanging out with the people they wanted to, uh-huh. to make sure this other person had a partner. Mm-hmm. And that will always stick out in my mind right. because that's that was a little thing, yeah. but it made such a big
0: impact. You and know? it was an action, right? It wasn't yeah. like I'm going to go over and I'm going to befriend this person. You know, like he actually just took the action exactly. and. Uh, that made a significant impact. So well, speaking like, wow. of that, <laughs> isn't it
1: sometimes our thing would be just to go over and console the person, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't be the teammate. Eh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I feel so bad for you that you don't have a, t- a partner uh-huh. and then walk away. Right? right. But, they're, you know, like you're saying, the action was that they actually yeah. jumped in and got involved. And uh, I think that that's kind of the, you know, if we had that approach, that attitude to say, I'm willing to serve, I'm mm-hmm. willing to. You know, maybe uh, let go of my pride uh-huh. and let go of my.
0: I guess we're going to get to there. I'm jumping ahead about talking about humility, oh, perfect. Perfect segue. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean that that uh, that's uh, that's so strong too. And like before, you kind of get into the section of humility. That reminds me of this um, this other speaker, and uh, I think it was in one of his books. It was Irwin McManus, and in one of his books, he said the big pivotal moment in my life was when I realized. Here I was like praying for God to help me, and I realized what if I'm the answer to someone else's prayer, you know, and like being intentional about that um, and ask God for me to help answer someone's prayer, to be like a conduit for God. So yeah. I thought that was, that's what huge. If, what
1: if we all approached life like that? Oh my gosh. That I could be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. how much of a difference we can make if we got the focus off us. Yeah. Because so many times we're, we're focused on, well, what am I going to get? Where uh-huh. am I going to be? What position am I going to have? You know, right. how's this going to look for me? You know. but well, we forget but God has us, yeah. right? So yeah. God it's... should be taking care right. of me. So <laughs> it leaves me open to take care of others. Right. You know? And that's such a big priority for God. Um, I don't want, you know. um, <laughs> I'm actually working on a message this week, and uh you know that it just it just it goes back to this fundamental thing that 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 God cares about his relationship with us, but he also cares about deeply very much importantly he cares about how we treat others mm-hmm. you know his he wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves that's right. not it's not just some uh you know phrase or some quote that jesus mm-hmm. said he, God truly wants
0: that to happen right you know I mean? so. yeah. Uh, and, I mean, that all takes, you know, like, humility on yes, our end, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and that's where we were uh, segueing um, into this next kind of, like, s- uh, subsection of yeah. this section. And uh, we we're talking about approach, right? Uh, attitude determines approach. Well, what type of attitude is that? And the primary uh, primary attitude that he focused on was humility. Yeah. So, like walking into a room, you know, we can we hear the phrase, you know, like "fake it till you make it," and you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But I love this perspective of like going to a room and just being, just assuming that there's someone else who knows more, who's more knowledgeable, and like being okay with that. But yeah. having that conversation and approaching it that way, and approaching it with a sense of humility, in uh, In his interview, he talked about going to a room and having someone like invite you to the table, right? Exactly. And I thought that was he's like, just be there, be present, talk, be uh, uh, have the sense of humility, and people will gravitate towards that, and you'll you'll find yourself being invited to these areas of common ground where you could talk and have that conversation
1: yeah uh you know and jesus teaches that to to mm-hmm. take the lower seat you know tell don't uh, just assume that mm-hmm. you're you know deserving of this higher place, but to come with that humility right. and 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 you will be honored if you're asked to sit higher up and mm-hmm. uh, like you're saying so i just think that uh, yeah too many times um we're all about ourselves aren't we right and, Humility is a way of building that bridge instantaneous mm-hmm. because we're not. I think oftentimes people probably feel like we're gonna just share our agenda, mm-hmm. and that we don't really care about them. Right. When we we need to care about them. Right. And we need to put them in a higher place. One mm-hmm. of the you know scriptures that hit me a lot was when Jesus asked Simon, "Do you see this woman?" Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because yeah, he he knew that she was a uh, Probably a prostitute. He knew that Jesus shouldn't be, you know, around her. Uh-huh. You know, all these things, all these conversations were happening in his home, but he didn't stop to look and really look at her right. and see her as a person.
0: Well, that's that's empathy, right? Yep. I mean, humility kind of leads, takes empathy, or requires empathy yep. to kind of see what that person's. And correct me if I'm wrong,
1: but I think empathy and sympathy that, you know, sympathy is just feeling sorry for somebody right. where empathy is putting yourself in their shoes oh, absolutely. In their situation. So that's a great wording there because that's what we really need is empathy. Mm-hmm. Not saying we just feel sorry for somebody, but just try to identify uh-huh. with what that person's dealing with to deal, you know, try to. You know, look at what that person's going through and saying, you know, I, I want to understand. I want to know
0: what, what you're feeling right? And, and understanding that, gaining that knowledge of how they feel. And it forces you into that kind of like perspective, like to see things, because I think as part of our experiences, we have such unique experiences based off of like where we've been, how we grew up, et cetera. And that kind of creates lenses for how we look you know, how we look, uh, look at life and, like, understanding, oh, like, okay, so maybe this person has a different uh, thought process or they're looking at life, like, completely wrong, right, you know? Uh, and we think it's wrong. Um, but, like, once we identify, like, what lenses they're looking through, um, it helps us identify, like, maybe what their struggles are, you know? Uh, maybe uh, they have a bad view, maybe like a really negative view of God. And maybe it was something that they experienced as a child, you know, like maybe like they have like a bad uh, relationship with like a church or something like that. And like having that relationship helps identify those lenses and uh, helps empathize with what they're going with or going through and helps you to perhaps talk through that situation.
1: Yeah, and to add to what you're saying too, I think there's a lot of times where on the surface we think that there's very few things we might have in common uh-huh. with somebody. And maybe our stories are different. Mm-hmm. But once we hear those stories, yeah. then we recognize parts of their story kind of we can identify with or we can understand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, of course the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, <laughs> but it's really true with people yeah. that, you never know what somebody's been through. You never know what their life is like. And so that you can see these surface differences maybe Mm -hmm. that stand out, but deeper there's a, maybe a connection that you can Mm -hmm. build a a bridge that can be built with them to, to involve them and and just build that relationship with them to, to, to make a difference. Right.
0: And uh, I mean, in order to do something like that, um, he, uh, there's this term that he uses, but it's called moral courage. And I mean, that's, uh, it's such a strong term because, and I mean, he defines it by saying the willingness to take moral decisions regardless of what those consequences may be. Yeah. And, you know, like how many times have we found, have we found ourselves in those situations where there's like this clear choice? Like, do I take road one or road two? And so many times we think about the consequences. Like, all right, yeah. if I do the right thing, like, is it like, is it? No, you know, if you
1: do the right thing, do the right thing, no, right? exactly, exactly. And
0: don't try to talk yourself out of it. But, ex- that, but you're
1: saying exactly what most of us do. We, right. We feel like, oh, no, I, you know, I, I want to weigh out all the uh-huh. consequences uh-huh. for this because I want to see if this is really right. You right. Know, a lot of times we know the right thing to do. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not a mystery to us. It's just right. And that, that's one of the things that I remember learning about how to coach people. It, you know it's kind of a can- way of counseling where you're not trying to you don't need to tell people the answers they already know the answer mm-hmm. you just need to pull out the answer that's inside uh-huh. of them already because they right. know morally or they know uh you know what they're feeling the decision should be made, but they've oftentimes talked themselves
0: out of that decision uh-huh. or that choice and what's interesting i read uh, I read this in a book but talked about whenever sometimes you know you'll have someone ask uh, ask you like oh." I have this choice and I feel like this may be the right thing to do, but do you think that that's the right choice? (laughs) You know? And like, I made connection with that. And the answer was, we usually ask people that question. Like we like to ask another party, like whether this is the right decision or not, because we could always bounce off of their decision. So, We have someone else making that decision for us. And then it kind of takes responsibility off of us. (laughs) Very, very true. And
1: and a lot of times I think about this a lot, like with people like, you know, like Steve Jobs and Mm -hmm. other people that have been real innovators in our world. Uh, People, you know, sometimes we think it all – I want to survey people. I want to get I want to get feedback. But mm-hmm. how do people know what they want? Uh-huh. You know, like they don't know what they want until they see something uh-huh. new or something, and then they can make that decision. So sometimes, we want to get all this information from people and try to make uh, what we think is uh-huh. you know a more secure decision. But we need to have the moral courage uh-huh. to just make a decision because. Some people don't even know what they want until they see it, right. you know. Like you maybe need need to be the innovator to show them the way, right? And have that moral courage, uh-huh. that he's talking about, to make that choice, to say, "No, we're going to go in this direction," right? And that way, yeah. Uh, and that's what's interesting about leaders. Leaders aren't always uh, good. Leaders don't aren't in captive to fear, stopping them mm-hmm. from making a good or a bad choice. They just know that there needs to be a choice. Good choice, you know. Sometimes we get caught up in. Whether it's a good choice or a wrong choice, it keeps us from making any choice, right? <laughs> you know what I mean, and that sometimes can hold uh, us back as leaders.
0: Yeah, so yeah, like uh, liked how you touched base on that—that that moral courage, because like, why do we need that? And I think that uh, that's a really good segue into the next section, and that's uh, you know, what is what should the mindset be going into a situation where you may have someone that's on the other side of the table, you know, completely opposing views. So whether that's, uh, you know, like someone in your personal life or a leader uh, that, uh, you're having a conversation with. And his main thing is in order to have that uh, conversation, you first have to build trust. It's mm-hmm. all about that relationship. And, um, because every relationship is really built on trust and trust is built by and it's like consistency, integrity, reputation, and all that takes time. And that kind of goes back to, you know, like if you're approaching someone with a different viewpoint, but they know like you've known them and they know that you have a reputation of being solid, being consistent, being honest, being true with people. They're going to take that perspective a lot more. That even if
1: their morals are different than mine, uh-huh. that I'd still treat that person with respect, respect. and value them. Absolutely. Uh, when I disrespect them or judge them mm-hmm. or prejudge them, I should say, yeah. um, that oftentimes yeah.
0: cuts Cuts that relationship right, right off, right? Cause well, they, it validates uh, it validates their side of the view because saying, "Oh, I knew there was a reason I didn't like that point of view." Because yeah. look how they're treating me. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, because you know,
1: hopefully, people get to know us as you know, even you know, whether whether we're talking about our faith in Christ or whether we're talking about other just moral values that we may have that may be different. Um, you know, just kind of helping people to see who we are hopefully speaks well of mm-hmm. who we represent, you know I mean? Like mm-hmm. our family, our faith, you know, that they see the value
0: of what we have to offer right. through us, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that uh, segues because really you have this uh, idea of, like, establishing trust. Well, what if, like— you had no control o- over it, right? And now trust is no longer, like, really on the table. So how do you go about, like, rebuilding that trust? And um, it's it's interesting because he touched on something that you mentioned earlier. And that's, like, the more we dig and the more intentional we are with having those uh, conversations, you find out that you're more alike than you think you are, mm-hmm. you know? You think you're, like, on either ends of the spectrum, and you find out that, you know, maybe it's like 90% that you have in commonality, whether that's like a similar upbringing or you like the same uh, things like baseball or football, mm-hmm. you find out that, oh, we're really not that different, but uh, we just have this like difference in opinion.
1: Yeah, I, you know, when I was, you know, when I, it's probably been 10 to 15 years now, but I've kind of I realized that I kind of like a little formula that I tried to create was always getting to know a person's uh-huh. name, knowing their name, uh-huh. And then knowing like two to three facts about them, you know, maybe a favorite sports team, just to create dialogue, just to create uh-huh. conversation. Because you, you need a, you need some starters, <laughs> especially when you're first <laughs> getting started to get to know somebody. Right. If you can find a few of those things that you can like point to, uh-huh. uh, whether it's you know video games, music, you know movies, whatever it may be, but just trying to know a few facts that could cause you to have uh, a start of a conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. It just opens the door to Mm -hmm. other things being there for the future, you know. So start trying to pick up on some details about each person Uh uh, that kind of help you build that dialogue to have those conversations.
0: Yeah, and that's that's definitely really, really important. And um, I think that kind of cues on this, like, next – point. Uh, so Air Bernard talked about this, and he said that to really be aware of whose voice is really speaking. And uh, he said there's like, especially in our current culture, he said that the voice of the people, and I'm air quoting people, um, is hijacked by so many different entities and organizations who are wanting to push forth a Uh, like an agenda right and so like you have news media outlets you know you have special interest groups and they're hijacking the voice of voices of the people and just realizing that just because it's out there doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's actually going on and he said that plays a key role in really the polarization of uh, our society and our cultures because we're like that that's what's going on out there. Yeah. Um but he said it's interesting uh, because we have like this tendency to see Washington as like super divided. We said you go to like the communities and you find out that they're more like they're more willing to work with each other and uh, so it, it's just realizing that yeah, getting together is a lot easier than we think it is. Yeah, unfortunately I think the like media has
1: pumped that goes mm-hmm. out on both sides of whatever arguing may have in the political parties, mm-hmm. that media kind of intensifies that and makes it seem so polarizing uh-huh. when, you know, like he's saying, or in are saying, then when you break it down, you know, right. it's not like that in the real world. Uh-huh. It's just been amplified by media trying right. to make it so that it'll grab people's attention. Cause they're right. really, and that's important for us to understand is that sometimes, uh, some of these organizations are just trying to feed the frenzy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's not always
0: the real case of what's right. happening in the real world. Absolutely, people. that's awesome. Um, and he kind of rebuilds this, and I, I don't know. I feel like I have a hard time with this, but it's still it's a powerful uh, it's still a powerful uh, saying that he kind of ended this section with. But he said, "Realize that you." Are not going to convince everyone. Yeah. you just have to convince enough of the right people if you're going to affect change. I think that's so powerful because, um, you know, especially if uh, your personality is to be like a people pleaser, right? You want to like, you want to please everyone, but realizing that no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to please everyone. And so it's, which individuals can we. Uh, convince to affect change in our communities and in our societies. Yeah. I think it's important to realize Jesus didn't convince everybody yeah, either. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, convince you know, 12, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah if, if people are going to hate Jesus, uh, you know, yeah. and he says that to us, if there are going to be people that hate me, what do you think they're, they're going to do to you? Exactly. And I think that that's kind of, not that we want that to happen. We do want to try to be peacemakers, but there are going to be people that despise what mm-hmm. we do and what we're about. And, that's okay, but we can make it a difference in one, right? We can make right. a difference in few, you know. Um, that can make a huge impact on others. Absolutely. Because um, that's the other thing too. Even if, even if I just say, say my my whole life, I made a, an investment and I made a difference in one person. Who's mm-hmm. to say that person doesn't go out and change two lives? Right. Absolutely. And that person, after them, changes three. Yeah. I mean. Think of the you know like we're we're living beyond paul's writings, right, so uh-huh. we're 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 at over two thousand <laughs> years or well, not quite but close uh-huh. um we're getting close to about two thousand years since Paul started writing, and uh think about that two thousand years uh-huh. of difference made by a letter written by somebody in jail mhm right it's just just awesome, yeah. And if if I could have that kind of impact on one person uh-huh. and that would change other people's lives and their
0: trajectories, then who who knows what God may do, you know, right. with that. Absolutely. You know? And, I mean, I think that's where it's putting trust in God and yeah. faith that uh, – and just taking comfort that we're not going to know the entire picture and being comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hard, you know, because you want to know, all right, I do this. Like, what are the immediate results? And sometimes it takes – a while to I mean we may not even know what the results are gonna be but we can take comfort that we did the right thing. We took the right choices through God's help and, and that's we promised to God.
1: That's why it's always important to to uh cherish the small things. You know, I think God can oftentimes give you a big vision and to live, you know, like we talk about mm-hmm. solving higher quality problems. But, you know, doing the little things can lead you to those bigger things. You right. Know what I mean, like, make sure you take care of
0: those little things because you never know where they may lead you. Right. You know? And I think you really touched on a good point a few uh, a few minutes back, and that uh, that's that really provides like this really good um a really good transition into this next part, which is called tension and conflict. But uh, you mentioned how uh, you know uh, with Jesus saying, "Hey, if this is how." They are treating me like. Don't be surprised when people treat you the exact same yeah. way. And uh, Ar Bernard touched on that, and he said, uh, "Those of us who believe and participate in the Kingdom of God are automatically put into this place of tension because our view, our Christian views, are automatically like opposed to that of what the world cherishes." And so uh, it's like, all right, you become a Christian and. No, it's easy, like, no, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a marathon now yeah. because, you know, it's trying to abide um, in God's word and trying to run the race to the end. And um, so I thought that was really, because it's like we try to run away from problems, we try to run away from tension, but by being a Christian, you're already put into tension. Exactly. So just realizing that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and embracing it in some yeah. ways because... Um, I mean, there's so many stories. I mean, think about if, you know, would 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 a child ever walk? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> would it, would it, if there was no resistance? Would would you ever see a team succeed in sports and uh-huh. be a Cinderella story? Um, so so the tension, you know, hope can produce growth in uh-huh. all of us, right? If it's applied right and we have the right attitude going mm-hmm. into it, you know, right. So you know. Embracing the tension and understanding that that's part of—it's really a part of life. It's mm-hmm. part of our spiritual growth too.
0: Well, and like that tension as well, uh, it kind of leads into some of you know like what are some of the more like difficult bridges that uh, we could that we can encounter. And in his interview, Bernard talked about some of like the most difficult bridges that he. Um, he sees for himself and uh, one of the most difficult situations is trying to mend or create a bridge between himself and someone who sees christianity or has been hurt by christianity or sees it as a detriment to the world and though like it did them wrong Um, and he said he always goes back to um when because he was a former former muslim but he said the one thing to remember is Christianity didn't save me. He said it's it's a relationship between myself and Jesus that saved me. And he said that's the thing to kind of keep in mind. He said we're not we're not trying to pander religion to someone. We're trying to get them to come to a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was Yeah, it's interesting because Jesus
1: you know, we're we're not the ones that make Jesus exclusive. Jesus said that himself by uh-huh. saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, you know, we, we need to understand it's not, you know, we don't have to be the ones treating it as exclusive. The gospel, uh, and I, that's another thing, the gospel is going to be offensive enough. Uh-huh. How can we make everything else less offensive that right. we're not offensive? <laughs> right? You know, because the <laughs> offense is going to be that whether they take Jesus' word as truth or not. Uh-huh. And that's not about you. That's about them and Jesus. So how can I approach them with humility, love, grace, to build a bridge mm-hmm. to where I can build a connection with them, that they can make a choice or a decision about what to uh-huh. do with Jesus, right? Because that's the ultimate decision everybody will have to make, right? That's
0: a that's such a strong, that's a big, powerful pivotal pivotal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he ends. Uh, he really ends as we kind of like wrap this up. Uh, he ends with a section as uh, like advice to leaders. Like, what are what are some of the advice? Uh, like, what are what is some advice that uh, he could give emerging or new leaders, or you know, current leaders? You know, we're always learning. And uh, the first one is managing uh, continuity and change. So just realizing that you know there's going to be a continuity, and you have to recognize what to continue and what to change. And uh, he kind of uh, he adds more to that. And he said that knowing what to change and what to continue is the challenge. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you change what you should continue, you lose your identity. Yeah. And if you continue what you should change, you'll become irrelevant. And I like that. That's I mean, really that's good. powerful. Yeah. I mean. Uh, you'll become irrelevant, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, it really boils down to, like, what are the basics? You know, like, what are your values? What do you espouse in your life? that uh, will weather the storm, you know. That's something that, you know, we've you know
1: we've been talking about and I've been thinking a lot because I'm transitioning from the leadership position I'm in now, transitioning to this new leadership role. And so what are the things here that are going to stay the same? Uh-huh. And are they clearly defined? Are they, do they set the people at ease? Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to change too much of the, the culture or... Right what's happening here. But at the same time, there are things that maybe could change to help us reinforce the -hmm. culture that we want to build or reinforce the continuity that we have. So how can you do things to where you're, you're causing some changes to help growth and help movement, but not lose our identity and our culture and what we've set forth so far. We want to keep that going forward Mm -hmm. and keep that moving. So, you know, just like the mission statement we have, that's why you know, for me, it was kind of one of those things I was glad I was able to see that as a as a building block for uh-huh. what we want to do because I see it as a continuation. You know, it's not something I feel like we need to change our mission statement. Actually, it was more like let's let's simplify it. Uh-huh. Let's take the mission statement, but could we, you know, pick out the, the three most important words out of it right. so that we're building on instead of taking away. It's right. actually just highlighting these three things or making even than, you're clarifying it yes. or giving it more impact yeah and that doesn't mean that we have to do away with that that still can be side by side there right. but we're just trying to make it more evident what we're about right and just make it clear you know uh-huh. for everyone
0: what we're really about yeah absolutely yeah so that uh, that was um uh, air bernard's talk about building bridges and Hopefully, you know, it's something that is of help. I I found it extremely helpful. I think it was
1: really good. I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Yes, it was a very enjoyable conversation as always. uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope that this has helped you to take the next step in your leadership. Be sure to join us next time on Lead Me. Take care.